As we transition to uh, our time of the message this morning, I have a video that I want you to watch. I want you to kind of um, catch the humorous side of it, but yet I want you to pick up on the serious side of it as well. So just uh, uh, that'll help you to kind of see where we're going to talk about this morning. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight. Then I just start talking to God, just me and God, tell him everything. <sighs> Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him and he's hearing me and I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee, how now? Brown cow, oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you, God. I want, I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and loved and... Peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bits. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus, and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs. And that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps. And she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. 
And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs and be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I, I've blown it so many times today, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. You know, the humor of that is that uh, we do take prayer for granted so often. And oftentimes we don't look at prayer through the eyes of the Lord. And perhaps many of us saw some habits not so good in our own lives and the way that we communicate with the Lord. And so the serious part of that is that uh, the last part of that little skit gave us a a great look at what praying through Scripture really looks like. And we're going to talk about that, not today, but yet another day. Um, But this morning I want to talk to you about how that prayer is more than just a cry for help. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Um, there were several verses that I really was going to look at as I put this together. It whittled down to just looking at verse 2. So if you would, just uh, uh, stand with me as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. And Paul writing here said, Continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. Father, as we come before you this morning, in light of the word of the Lord, we're reminded that there is some great instruction here in this one verse on how that we ought to pray. And Father, you gave us not some options, but some commands. And so, Father, I ask that today that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that it would be you that would show forth yourself, O Lord, and cause your people to understand the depth of the meaning, of the importance of the command that we ought to pray. Lord, would you show us this morning what our prayer life ought to look like and even remind us of what our prayer life really looks like. And so, Father, that we might take a step closer to you today as we, Father, hear from you as we break open the bread of life today for your understanding. May it be that the Holy Spirit transfers that knowledge into practice. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For those of you that were here last week, you know that I started 
talking to you about, uh, or a couple of weeks ago actually, uh, a series entitled Spiritual Disciplines. And we looked at the first discipline as uh, uh, spending time in God's Word, and that's why we're, we introduced to you and encouraged you to become a part of uh, a one-year reading plan of reading through the Bible. And you may already, as Josh said, may already have a plan and continue to work your plan, but if you don't, let us offer uh, a plan for you. Today, I want us to come to the second topic of which we want to talk about, and that is, of course, prayer. For most Christians, this is one of the most challenging areas of our spiritual discipline. I know that it is in my own personal spiritual life. Uh, Prayer is one of the things that's easily um, left undone or done in a way in which it's really not what God has commanded us to do. Now this is not to say that we don't pray and that I don't pray, but to say that perhaps... We are not disciplined in how and when we should be praying. It is one thing for us to read Scripture and to um, uh, spend time in God's Word because we get an instant benefit of knowledge or some insight. But prayer is one of those things that requires that we have faith, that we trust in the Lord. Um, We are praying to someone we cannot see and expecting an answer that is out of our control. And like every other thing that requires faith, prayer runs contrary to the natural man and to the world in which we live. And thus, it is not only often neglected, but in times when we attempt to do it, it is difficult at best. F.B. Myers, the author of a, a, a little book, The Secret of Guidance, said, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. And then Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the Victorian era, said this of prayer, and this one spoke deeply to me as your pastor and as your preacher. If the spirit of the prayer is not with the people, the minister may preach like an angel but cannot expect success. There may be in that church wealth, talent, labor, and many outreach efforts, but the Lord is not there. Prayer is as sure evidence of the presence of God as the rising of the thermometer is evident of an increase in temperature. If God is near a church, it must pray. If He is not, one of the obvious signs of His absence will be the uh, lethargicness in prayer. If we're going to be honest this morning with ourselves and with the Lord, most of us would have to admit that prayer is, for the most part, an undisciplined area of our spiritual life. It is sporadic at best, erratic most of the time, and often more dull than powerful. Much of our prayers are like Peter's prayer in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 30. When Peter, uh, attempting to walk on water, says that he was afraid and began to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. 
My friends, we need to remember that prayer is much more than just a cry for help. It is an untapped resource and an unexplored area where countless treasures remain unearthed. It is talked about more than anything else and practiced less than anything else. And yet, for the believer, it remains one of the most necessary disciplines that we must instill in our spiritual lives if we're going to continue to be conformed in the image of Christ. Paul understood prayer and its power. Prayer was an undeniable part of life. And as we read through the portions of Scripture which God used him to pen, you will find that over and over and over again, Paul calls for all Christians to pray at all times. Prayer simply is the pipeline of communication between God and His people. Between a God who, who loves His people and a people who love their God. And if we're to grow in discipline and disciples, we will be one of those who have a habit of praying. Now today I want us to spend some time and look at several things which our text will show us as we are called to the area of prayer. In verse 2, there are three things that I want us to focus on this morning that the Apostle Paul gives us that are necessary spiritual disciplines in our prayer life. First of all, that we should pray persistently. In verse 2, he goes on to tell us, Paul begins by saying, continue in prayer. In the original language, this particular phrase, continue in prayer, is actually just one word. And it can be translated in several different ways, and I wanted to just get you to see what we're seeing here. It can be translated persist in, adhere firmly to or remain devoted to, or to give unremitting care to. What it simply carries is the idea of dedication. As we are persistent in prayer, it's the evidence that we are dedicated to the area of prayer in the need of prayer in our lives. Of the ten times that we find this particular word used in the New Testament, four of them have to do with being devoted to prayer. It is a very powerful word. And in this verse, it's given us an imperative, or what we might call a command. For those of you that think prayer is just an option that we have when we're in trouble, or when we want something from God, or, or, or when we are getting ready to eat dinner, it's not. It's an imperative, it's a command that God has set that we ought to continue in prayer, that it ought to be something that we are dedicated to in our lives. We do without ceasing. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 17, that we pray without ceasing. That there's a persistence in prayer that's not an option for Christians. In fact, it is the order from the Lord Himself, a direct command to all of us 
Two of the most instructive uh, parables that Jesus taught us in the area of prayer is found in the book of Luke in verses, or chapters 11 and chapters 18. And both of these have to do with our persistency in not giving up in our prayer life. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, is where we find the promise that says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Each of those verbs is in the present tense, or, or could be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop, be persistent, be dedicated until you meet with the Lord and He tells you the answer to your need. Jesus does not want us to give up on prayer. Whoever uh, uh, told you that, that ask once and then just leave it to the Lord has not read their Bible. God is telling us, be persistent, be dedicated. Make sure that you get a hold of God when you're asking God for anything. And then in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he goes on to tell us, now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now there is a difference between a persistent prayer and a long, drawn-out prayer. You know, I, I wanted to use that little um, video this morning because it had a great deal of humor, but it ended in a serious note that we need to understand. It's not repetition. It's not saying, God, I'm going to tug on your ear over and over. But a persistent prayer is a person who is persistent in prayer is one who simply is dedicated to being in the presence of God until God is in their presence. Now, the difference between that is a person who is persistent in prayer does not necessarily have to pray for a long time. They are simply people who have developed a habit of prayer. And they practice that habit habitually. Persistence means that we won't give up. It means we're not quitting. Not giving in and not becoming discouraged when we don't receive the answer that we thought we should get as quickly as we should think we should get it. Some people seem to give up on prayer they quit because they say they don't feel like praying about that anymore. The joy has gone. The feeling is just not there anymore. And Wait a minute, when has prayer ever been about your feelings? Prayer is not about your feelings. I didn't read anywhere in Jesus' commands. He said, when you feel like praying, go ahead and pray. He said, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on doing it. Don't give up. Nothing about how I feel. It's all about connecting with our Lord. If you're going to take up your cross and follow Jesus, it's not an option for you to pray. If you and I are going to be more like Him than we are like ourselves, you will need to pray as He prayed. He was persistent in prayer. And as His followers, we are commanded to follow His lead. 
Throughout the New Testament, we're told that we're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and do as he did. Jesus himself said to his disciples, now go and do as I've showed you. Go and do it for others. When we think about the persistency in prayer, we think about how persistent our Savior was. And then the command for us to go and do it. What is the second thing that we find here? Not only are we to pray persistently without uh, giving up, without holding back, but we're to pray passionately. Look as you would again to verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch. And watch. Now, that particular word that we find there is used throughout the Scripture. And Jesus, again, in the Garden of Gethsemane that night when he was about to be betrayed, and he had asked Peter, James, and John to come with him a little further into the garden and to pray. And he said to Peter, could you not watch and pray for one hour? So there's that word, watch. But what does that word watch mean? And what does it mean when it comes to this idea of passionately? If you and I are persistent in something, it stands to reason that you would want to be passionate about it as well. In fact, Paul says that we should be vigilant or be watchful. It is the opposite of that of being slothful. It describes that which we should have as a passionate prayer life that is not only dedicated to uh, continuing in prayer, but we are passionate about our prayer. We're watchful. We're diligent about it. Jesus was passionate about his prayer life. S.D. Gordon in his book, Quiet Talks on Prayer, says how much prayer meant to Jesus. He says it like this. It was not only his regular habit, but his report in every emergency, however slight or serious. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his message upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in body and wearied in spirit, he had a recourse to his one unfailing habit, that of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasurable power at the beginning and kept the flow unbroken and undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. So let's take a few moments this morning and just back that up scripturally. I want to walk you through several scriptures of Jesus' prayer life just so that you understand that this is not just something that preachers make up. It's what God did. It's what Jesus lived. It's the example that He set for us to follow. And every time that we see Jesus praying, we see His prayer is passionate. It's filled with the passion that He had for His Father, for this earth, and for His creation, His people. Let's begin in Luke chapter 3. You don't have time to follow along with me, so just pay attention. In Luke chapter 3, and verse 21, at His baptism, while He was praying, the heavens were open. A passionate prayer opens the heavens. My friends, if you want heaven to open up to us, we must be passionate about what we're seeking before the Lord. In Luke chapter 6, and verse 12, before He called His disciples... 
He spent the entire night in prayer. Passionate prayer opens the windows of heaven and shines God's light on the directions of our path. If you don't know where life is taking you, but you need to know what is the next step, get on your knees before God and pray through it, and He will reveal it. And in John chapter 17, in verses 9 through 11, He prayed for all of those who would follow Him. That he would be, they would be kept from evil one, the evil one, and that they would be sanctified by the truth, which is his word. Passionate prayer expresses the deepest desires of our heart and reveals our love for others. When we know somebody is, is in need, the best thing that we can pray is, God, open up your word to them that they might see your path. And that they might understand your ways. Cause them, Father, to be drawn near to you. Listen, so many of us are saying, God, change them so they'll start being nicer to me. When God is saying, what we need to do is pray that they will see the word of the Lord. We need to pray with a passion that says, God, it is only you that can change them. And it's only your word that can reveal the need for their change. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 44, where Jesus is praying through the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, in being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Passionate prayer enables us to be totally honest with God, even in the midst of the most trying of circumstances. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, as he hung upon the cross, Jesus prayed a passionate prayer. It was a simple prayer. But that passionate prayer is simply a portal to God's power. It strengthens us internally and often is a conduit of God's grace upon others. Jesus simply said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, that we would have that kind of passionate prayer in our life to look at those who have offended us, those who, who we have gotten angry with, those who have hurt our feelings, that we might like Christ when He was dying on the cross, be able to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What a way to pray so that we release others from the, the, the difficulties of human existence. Passionate prayer enables us to do that. And Jesus always prayed with passion because he knew who it was that he was talking to and it was that as he knew who he was talking to, he also knew that he had direct access to the Father. There was a powerful thing and something he did not take lightly and nor should we. Prayer from the heart of God is a passionate prayer. It is a prayer from our heart and not just from our head. Think about the last time that you were passionate about something in your prayer life. We should never lose that passion when we talk to God. Jesus was always passionate when he prayed, and, and that's how he wants us to pray. 
In fact, he taught us to pray this way, not only through his example, but specifically through his teaching. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, when Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he gave to us all what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. But just before the Lord prayed and taught us how to pray that prayer, he said something so important for us to listen to. When you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. I think today we need to ask the question, what happened to the Lord's Prayer? And what I mean by that is this, people oftentimes repeat it, I was taught as a child to repeat it as if it were some kind of magic mantra that will bless them or move God to hear us. What they are simply doing is exactly what God told us not to do. Not to use vain repetition, thinking that that's what's going to move the heart of God. God is moved by your passionate heart, not by your memorization of a few words. The Gentiles, when they prayed, tried getting through, through their, to, with their religious repetition. And they created chants and mantras that call forth or to impress their gods. Now again, I don't have time for you to look there, but uh, if you got the notes, it, it's, it should be referenced there. In 1 Kings chapter 18 is where we're going to go, and if you want to write that down, you can go back and look at it. I'm going to read several verses here for you, uh, just to kind of set the story. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah is up on Mount Carmel, and he is about to take on the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he has given them a challenge and said, let's see who is God. The children of Israel had become befuddled as to who was God. Was Baal God or was Jehovah God? And they were kind of riding the fence and they didn't know which. And Elijah said, it, today is the day you've got to decide who's God. And he set forth a challenge and he told the, the prophets of Baal to set up an altar and to, to, to call upon their God. And, and the first God to bring down fire, that was God. And listen to what uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verses 28 and 29 tell us. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lanchets till the blood gushed out among them. And it came to pass that when midday was passed and they had prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Listen, yet there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. That is not what we are to do when we are in relationship with a holy God. That is not how we're to conduct ourselves. Now let's go on in our story. I'm going to jump several verses down to verses 36 and 37. Elijah now steps up to the plate. And here's what the Bible says here. Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. 
Hear me, O Lord, hear me that all this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. No repetition, no chanting, no cutting, just a conversation with God. Now we go all the way to the New Testament and and we know how important this is because in the book of James... James in chapter 5 and verse 16, referring back to this very event right here in 1 Kings, James says this, The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. James reminding us that he's talking about Elijah in that prayer that I just read to you that Elijah prayed. It wasn't a bunch of chanting. It was simply a conversation passionately with our God. Now you know what happened next? Many of you do, but for those of you that don't, let me just tell you what the Bible says happened next. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice of the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is the God. And the Lord, He is the God. If we're going to be the disciples of Jesus if we're going to take up our cross and follow Him, it will require us to be passionate in our prayer life. But not only are we to be persistent and, 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 and never give up, we're to be passionate in how we speak to a holy God. But the third thing that He shows us here in this verse is that we're to do it with thanksgiving. That we should pray with gratitude, gratefully, in our hearts. A constant theme that seems to run throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that through prayer we are to be grateful. Paul never fails to mention it in all of his. So let me give you several references real quick that uh, that show us that Paul had a spirit of gratitude. In Ephesians 5.20 he tells us uh, that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with and walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4.6 he tells us to be anxious for nothing but in everything that we should pray, giving thanks, and, and make every petition known to God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he tells us that giving thanks at all times is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says that as believers, everything we say should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we should give thanks to Him. And then writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, in verses 3 and 4, he says that the food and the marriage uh, relationships are good things given to us by God, and we are to receive each of them with thanksgiving and gratitude. Expressing gratitude as we pray accomplishes several things in our prayer life. First of all, gratitude articulates our dependence upon God. What gratitude says is that we know who God is, and we know who we are, and we know that we, um, uh, you are aware of at least to some degree of how desperate you would be if it were not for God and His provisions for you in your present life. When we pray in our prayers... Uh, should always express an understanding that every breath that we take is in fact a gift from God. Every day that we get is a gift from our God. 
Failure to pray with gratitude demonstrates a sense of self-reliance and self-sufficiency that is simply an insult to God. And it is not a prayer life that will sustain itself. And the second thing that we see is gratitude generates humility. When we are grateful for the things that God has given us, it creates a humbleness in us. When we express gratitude, it continues to remind us of how truly helpless we are without God. Everything in this world, our flesh, our world system, the people around us, all try to reinforce the idea of self-made men. But everything in God's Word is just the opposite. (laughs) Isn't that the way it is? (laughs) What the world says is always in opposition to what God says. And Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Thirdly, gratitude demonstrates relationship. It says that we know that He is our Heavenly Father and that we are His children. And as His children, we know He loves us and has provided for us everything that we have out of His love for us. Folks, there are few things more disappointing or heartbreaking than to experience an ungrateful person. When we fail to express gratitude, we're taking God for granted and assuming that somehow we deserve His grace and His kindness, but we do not. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are blessed because Jesus has made it possible through His death, burial, and resurrection for us to be adopted into the family of God. The benefits that we enjoy, the benefits of our relationship... And when we express our gratitude, it demonstrates the reality of said relationship. When we pray with persistence, we pray with passion. It opens the door for us to pray with gratitude. To understand how much God loves us and so desires to be in fellowship with us that He would send His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us so that we could fix a broken relationship and walk with Him. We begin to think about what God has given to us as a gift of prayer. We cannot take it lightly. We cannot take it for granted. It must become something that we realize is a need in our life. It's got to become a spiritual discipline. So let me close with a few things that I'd like to say about your prayer life this morning. Now you say, well, preacher, be careful. You don't know my prayer life. No, I do not. But God does. And I want to just give you three things this morning that we all need to examine to make sure that our prayer life is where it needs to be. First of all, we need to examine your heart attitude. 
Because prayer is fellowship with God. It is a direct reflection of our relationship with Him. It always involves our heart, not our head. If you are in love with Him, your prayer life will reflect that love. Prayer begins in our heart. It is simply an outpouring of our heart towards God and always reveals the truth about how we feel towards Him. The second thing that we need to examine about our prayer life is we need to measure our words. Prayer begins in the heart, but it makes its way to our lips. And this is what the psalmist means when he said in Psalms 19, that verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, when he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God hears every word that we say. Be careful, my friends, about what you say because God is always listening and holds us accountable for the idle words, especially those idle words that we speak in prayer. Don't tell God you're going to do something that you have no intentions of doing. And thirdly, release your life. How can you and I expect God to take our prayer serious if we're not at least willing to participate in the possibility that God wants to use us in answering our own prayer? Now, what do I mean? Can you seriously pray for a lost person to come to Christ if you're not even willing to share the gospel with them? Can we? I guess we could, but to what effect? To what effort? Can you really pray for God to meet the material needs of others when you're not willing to contribute some of what God has entrusted you with to help that person in need? To make sure that the church has everything that it needs to help those people who call in need? We must recognize that God may be calling you to be a part of your own answer to your prayer. You see, if we're going to be effective in our prayer life, we must be sold out to God first, willing to take action when God responds. Your involvement may be a part of His answer to your own prayer. So ask the question, what does your prayer life look like this morning? Are you persistent in prayer? Are you praying passionately or just simply superficially? Are you feel, filled with intensity and fervor or are you weak, timid, and lacking in faith? What about gratitude? When's the last time you thanked the Lord for all that He's already given us before we start asking Him for anything else? Prayer ought to start with a grateful attitude. God, I don't deserve anything else. But within your mercy, would you meet me where I am? Would you deal with what I'm going through? Why can't we pray like that? Why don't we pray like that? 
there someone in your life that God has laid a burden on you for? How are you praying for them? Flippantly or passionately? Sporadically or persistently? What would happen in our life if we really begin to pray? If you become a disciplined prayer warrior, how would that change the way you walk through life? If instead of doing some of the things that you're in the habit of doing, which have no eternal consequences, wouldn't it be better if we dedicated some of that time to prayer? What would happen in your family if you begin to pray for them the way that I spoke about this morning? What would happen in your heart if you prayed regularly that God would search you and know you and cleanse your heart? from any attitude or actions that are keeping him and you from being more like him. We must ask the question this morning, what's keeping us from praying like that? Praying in a way that moves the heart of God, but also moves our heart closer to God. What's keeping us from this type of disciplined prayer life? I can't answer that for you. I can only answer that for me. And I can tell you that it's a struggle every day to answer that question. So I'm sure it is for you. But I want you to know that Jesus understood the struggles that we would have today living in this life. And in John chapter 17, He prayed for us that we would not fall into the traps that Satan has set for us. That we would have a passionate relationship with Him that would cause us to pray earnestly and seek His face. We have all the tools that we need. The only thing lacking is our desire. Let's pray. Father, as I close our time this morning, I pray for myself first and foremost. That Lord, that that passion that I need, O oh Lord, in my prayer life, that persistency and that gratitude would be evident. And that, Lord, that uh, small faith of a mustard seed with a passionate prayer can move mountains. Lord, the mountains of trouble and struggles that we all face in life. Father, would you help us, O oh Lord, to examine our hearts and our lives and our prayer lives pray for each one that's hearing this this morning that father that they would honestly take a look and father that you would reveal to us 
what a difference our prayer life would be if, oh God, we just meet with Thee. Help us now, we pray, to not be hearers only, but doers of Your Word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For those of you that are at home, if there is a way that we can help you in your prayer life, we ask that you would contact us. The information is there at the bottom of the screen for you. We're thankful that uh, for those that were snowed in this morning that we have this technology and that you could worship with us. And I pray that God will continue to bless you today and keep you. For those of you that are here,